Now you're joining me on the morning commute with Farmer Phil. What sort of public transport will you be using today, Phil? Well, as you know, I'm a big fan of the healthy option, so this morning I shall be walking to work. Very fashionable. Have you not got an electric scooter? Uh, no, not yet, although it's not a bad idea. <laughs> but I have been involving myself with Monty's idea. He cycles to work. Yes, all 40 and yards. And it's quite handy being able to cycle up the yard to look at the cattle rather than walk. It takes half the time. I think we've all realised how um, mad the commute is, um, but we've never really had the commute. But I'm finding now, during lockdown, the strangest thing is actually leaving the farm. So I used to leave the farm all the time because I do like a trip. And now it's very unusual. It is odd, and, and similarly for me, all the meetings and trials days and all the normal trips out that a farmer would have, particularly at this time of year, shows... Oh, all the been, Royal Welsh. The Royal Welsh have all been cancelled or postponed at the very best. And so, you know, those people who you tend to see once a year, we haven't, haven't seen. And um, it, it is quite a strange feeling. This muffling sound is the boot putting on procedure. I have suggested many times that you wear, uh, what are they, uh, redbacks. They're Chelsea-style boots. Aren't they the ones I yeah. wear? The slip-ons, brilliant. But no, you don't. No. <laughs> but the reason I don't, there is method in my madness. If you've turned your ankle over, you'll know how painful that is. And so the reason that I, or one of the reasons that I wear walking boots is because it is much better protection for your ankle when you're walking over rough ground or whatever. You don't turn your ankle over. Redbacks are very good. But they don't offer the same support that a walking boot does. But you can get them on and off oh, easily. That, that's true. <sighs> anyway, oh. off we go. Any calves? No. We'll call him by the floristry just to check on the girl. So, the conversation, the walk... We are going to see a very, very naughty bull. Yes, he's not been good. He's not Puffing cut. the bull. He's not covered himself in glory. And although he was very fatigued and quiet last night, I note that he's been singing this morning, so that I suspect that his remorse has ended what was of it. What do you mean, singing? Uh, he trumpets in order to let people know that he's there. And because he's in solitary confinement for a moment, as we'll discuss, um, he, uh, he feels the need to let everyone know that he's on site. Right, I'm just going to drop my laptop off at the office with my flask. Ugh, at Wigglers. Just call in to say hello to the girls. Hi, girls. Hi. Yes, you? Yeah. Um, uh, this is Trish and Lydia. Welcome to the Wiggly podcast, both. Can you give me a list, please, of flowers that you've had in? Oh, okay. So we've had Alstroemeria. Lovely. From Alstroemeria, ma'am. Yeah. Uh, cornflowers. Oh, from James yeah. at Clarence. Uh, Sweet William. Oh, lovely. Some scabia. Lovely. And they are from Paul. Great. We've got some little Scabia things from my cutting patch. Lovely. Um, Acamelia thingy. Acamelia Morris. Which we've grown. <laughs> yeah, we've got lots of that. <laughs> we have got lots of that. 
Um, if you order a bouquet or a posy within the next two weeks, basically, Achamelia Mollus is going to feature, isn't yes, it? Yes, yeah. definitely, yeah. Lovely. Um, and uh, some roses from our cutting patch as well. Lovely. And what have we got here? Is this a delphinium? Oh, yes. Yeah, nice. this is a lovely blue delphinium, and we've been getting them in white as well. Very nice, indeed. Yeah. And Nigella. Yes, those are from Barney. Who's Very a local, nice. Local person. They'll dry, won't they? Yes. Nigella. Very yeah. nice. They have a lovely head on them if they dry. Now, I do realise this is a podcast, so it's a bit audio. <laughs> but what's that pink stuff behind Trish? There we are. That's another mystery for you to solve, dear listener. That is the pink stuff behind Trish. Meanwhile, Farmer Phil is fitting a bulb into the strip lamp. And here we go, girls. Yay. Let there be light. It's uh, that one light, isn't it? Trish, you've joined us lately from your high-flying career as a est- commercial estate agent. How are the flowers? Lovely, really enjoying it. No, it's good. Absolutely love it. And yesterday you beat a uh, Blue Moon dried posy, I believe. You made, you made it. I did make it. <laughs> <laughs> I made it too, actually. Yeah, no, it's very Great, thank you very much. Off we go. Bye. We're going to see Puffin. You know what Puffin got up to? I saw his Facebook yeah, earlier. Did He's you give been... him a coffee? He looked like he needed a coffee. <laughs> I should be giving him a slap. And a cigar. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, come on, Phil. Uh, we're just going by Harvey, the uh, Fox Red Lab, who stands. And we're just meeting up with Cookie. Cookie, Hello. how are you? Right, thanks, what are you doing today? We are packing mealworms today. And I hear you've done a time and motion study on yourself as a commercial estate agent from London. I have indeed, yes. Who's furloughed? I am. And so how many mealworms can you do in an hour? I can do about 80 bags oh. or in terms of mealworms probably about 50,000 I think 50,000 see Cookie has turned out to be the mealworm kid he's amazing <laughs> okay Phil so we're going by a stillage <laughs> oh dear of potatoes what's happened here um, well she, <laughs> she may not forgive us for this but Rachel has had an unfortunate incident with the forklift Mm. and some leftover potatoes that we were bagging up for our local Rotary Club and basically dear listener you are looking at two potato boxes on their side and a number of stray potatoes however this is not all bad news because we shall all dine out on this with Rach for many weeks to come on potatoes no on broken potatoes oh I see forklift errors okay so we're now nearly at the end of our commute. We're just going by Ken in the bagging shed, who's busy bagging wiggly seed extra. And now I'm looking at Monty, who looks like he's going to clean the grain stores, yep, is he? Yeah, we're just starting cleaning down the part of the grain store for this year's harvest. Should we call him? Hi, Mont. Can you just explain where we are and what you're doing? Uh, we're in the tubs. <laughs> Hi, Ollie. Probably heard about me moaning about the tubs before on the podcast. Yeah. Basically, there's <coughs> six tubs, and we need to clean them out ready for harvest. And because it's all for seed, it needs to be completely clean of every single seed in here, which is easier said than done. But 
Oh yeah. Because this is where the water has got in. Right. Because they're quite old and decrepit now. Yeah. And so uh, yeah. And so that hole in the middle is that how you get it all out? Yeah. There's a we've got a one auger that we move and slot into the bottom of the bins. Yeah. And the grain flies down that auger into a pit in the middle, and then up another auger and into whatever you're trying to fill. So why don't you just use a leaf blower or a hoover? And like Ollie's got a, uh, a broom, why don't you use a hoover? Show me, Mum. Show me how to do it. <laughs> <laughs> right, I've got to go. All six, then. <laughs> okay. Right, we'll see puffing, puffing the bull, not puffing the mule, to see uh, what trouble he's in. So, Phil, puffing was with his girls. How many? Was he to serve? Well, at the moment, he's only got two cows with him. Oh, but there dear. Will be, there will be more coming, not that he knew this. No. But he was residing in a very comfortable little paddock up Stockley Hill. Plenty of grass, nice view. Yeah. Life could only be, you know, very calm for young puppies. But he wanted more. He wanted more. But he decided that... As we say, the grass is greener the other side of the fence. Hello, Puffin. Thank you. And, and he so, was, um, what was the other side of the fence? Well, he was reported missing the other evening, and the other side of the fence was our neighbour's uh, group of heifers, young heifers. Right. And obviously... So, Totty. Totty, yeah. So, Puffin, being the young idiot that he is, decided that he was going to jump two fences to go and join up with those. Right. Which was not good. And so, I didn't, I mean, I know the cow jumped over the moon, but they don't normally jump fences, do they? They're not as good a jumpers as uh, <coughs> horses are, for, for example. Yeah. But particularly when they're this sort of age, he's about 12, 12 or 18 months old, they can be quite athletic and they sort of depending on how keen they are they can either climb the fence and hop over or they'll jump it clear he's employed uh, both uh, and then latterly we relocated him to another paddock which was further away bounded by good fences and hedges all round and thought well that's it he'll stay there and he managed to traverse a further two fences and a big large hedge plus the original two fences, to get back into the heifers, despite a stern warning. And he seems quite animated now, to be honest. I'm afraid that any remorse shown yesterday looks to have disappeared. Yeah. So what he's doing, listener, is he's circling, and he looks like he's getting a bit excited, doesn't he? Uh, I think he's just showing a little dissent. I see. Uh, he says, how dare you incarcerate me? Yeah. Well, I can promise you, Puffin, that one way or another, I win. But presumably, what about the politics of your bull going into somebody else's cows? You know, they, they could have been pedigree. Yep. You know, it, it's it quite could a serious be... thing. It, it's not to be taken lightly. And so um, at the, at the, the procedure is, firstly, we are insured, fully insured against this sort of thing, whatever, yeah. and that in, includes the consequential losses that may or may not be involved. Right. But on a on a good neighbour basis, 
you know, it, it's, it's not, on, it's not it? acceptable. However, we do all understand that these things happen. And I would point out that less than three weeks ago, the neighbours' cows did go through our garden, and not so long ago, the neighbours' cows got onto our deck. Uh, <laughs> <I> <laughs> that mean, didn't work. It is, it is within <laughs> farming life that this happens, and it's a brave farmer who gets his feet up too much. But obviously, if you are someone who makes little or no effort to keep your cattle in, in their field, then you know you're not going to be very popular but in this case uh, we spoke to the neighbor uh, as soon as we found him there and we've actually managed to identify the particular heifer that was the um, subject of uh, puffin's amorous advances so that a little bit later on she can be pregnancy tested and if necessary aborted uh, if if he's got her in in calf why why wouldn't she just go with the flow well because she's uh, quite young and also she's due to go for meat I so see. there's not much gain in her being pregnant if you're trying to fatten her for meat. Now, next door to Puffin is some obvious cows. So how do you know that Puffin isn't going to be very keen on sorting them out? Well, he does look quite keen yeah. to sort them out, but he's basically got a six-foot wall to traverse because his bullpen is considerably more secure than a field. So... He can try, but I defy him to get out of there. And I can see these cows have got a lovely lot of straw and a field to, to enjoy. You know, they've got the, um, what are those doors called? Bifolders. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And they've brought the outside in. Yeah, they have. Yeah. Um, it's lovely. But Puffin, he, he doesn't look like he's got much home comforts there. No, well, we felt that... Normally, we wouldn't have any bulls in the bull pens. They're waiting to be mucked out. But because Puffin has been so reprehensible, he's been put in there to consider his position for a minute. The fact that he can see what he's missing might help him in his mental thought process. But uh, if we have to keep him there for a bit, we will obviously give him some litter shortly. And uh, obviously, we're feeding him and on a daily basis telling him the error of his ways. But really, he's just over keen, isn't he? Yeah. He's like the cookie of bulls. <laughs> I'm not sure <laughs> Cookie would <laughs> appreciate that <laughs> description of him. But, I mean, yeah, it's a natural process. Um, as they get older, they tend to behave better. It's, you know, it's, it's just how it is. Very good. Good luck, Puffin. And calm down. Here on the farm, time for Ask Wiggly. Thanks for this week's question from Jill Newman. How do I change the wormery trays? Mine is so full, do I just put another tray and put all on top the undigested veg material plus worms into the new tray? Or do I need to put a layer of newspaper or something into the empty tray first? Okay, so when you've got your first tray of compost full with compost and waste, it's time to put the next tray on top. You just put the empty tray with the holes on top of the freshest waste, removing the moisture mat, and then you put waste into the new tray. Worms don't know that there are trays or holes or anything, so they just work their way round the kit and gradually migrate to the fresh waste. So when you've reached the top of the top tray, most of the worms will have left the bottom 
and that means that that compost can be taken away in the tray and used. Hope that's of help. Thanks for listening to the Wiggly podcast. If you want to know anything more about us, just go to the website www.wigglywigglers.co.uk. And now you can leave a question for Farmer Phil or Terry or me if you really want to, even Monty. Anyway, thanks for listening. Bye-bye.